the magenta pills. Your dispensary of red, black and white capsules amidst the slow motion collapse of the empire. Hosted by Gregory Singh. I waited until after Remembrance Day to publish this, to not even approach disrespecting the solemn mourning of those who gave their lives in various international conflicts. For though I have deep misgivings about what constitutes as service to one's nation, I'm not tone-deaf in regards to what families have lost in the past. That is to say, life, liberty, mobility, property, mental health, and normalcy. These are all unequivocal evils that were suffered by various branches of the armed forces who were, in many disgusting instances of political villainy, coerced to die for the state. And with the looming threat of massive geopolitical conflict in far-flung theaters across the globe, it should provoke a lot of sober self-reflection about the reality we are potentially entering. One where conscription, prolonged warfare, economic destabilization, and a devastating loss of life loom on the horizon. And one where a pampered Western existence will be shattered by the brute realities of power politics and hot wars. These are considerations that haven't even been entertained in North America since the Vietnam War by the eldest of the baby boomers. In the years since, we have seen Gen Xers, Millennials, and Gen Zs become increasingly insular about their own relatively insignificant grievances and nonchalant about the harsh realities of death and destruction that we stare straight in the face. And that is to say nothing about the staggering ignorance of history when people champion political leadership that instigates unnecessary conflicts, aids and abets criminal regimes, and makes short-term real politic decisions to the detriment of our long-term national interests. Indeed, you should start to seriously realize that you may be jolted from your cozy life into a situation where you have to decide whether or not you would sacrifice your existence for your country. Or further still, whether or not you would condone sending your children, your friends, and your co-workers to die on a Ukrainian field, a Middle Eastern desert, or a Taiwanese mountain. What are your considerations? What sort of cost-benefit analysis will you run? And would it be worth it ultimately? For those of us who study these matters a little more closely and try to understand what historical rhymes await us, we can draw from the experience, data, and opinions of the fallen to give us an indication of what they thought. And why did our countrymen fight in times past? Well, we know that they fought for a sense of adventure, a nation, a set of ideals, and most importantly, for a people. Do any of these things exist in any meaningful sense within the borders of a doughy postmodern multicultural economic zone? One where in recent history we have seen our constitutional rights trampled, unchecked mass immigration hobble our infrastructure and inflate our housing markets, economic destabilization, and the debasement of our previously held social norms. If we were, to be honest about our motivations and critically analyze our current situation, we may quickly realize that our most cherished collective ideals revolve around mindless entertainment and mass consumerism, the likes of which have led us into a naive and idyllic haze of endless gluttony and vice. 
We see the results daily on our social media apps where cultural war battles, the promotion of substance abuse, rampant criminality, the narcissistic aspiration for attention, and increasing political polarization dominate our feeds. These overarching trends exemplify the slow but insidious creep towards clown world totalitarianism, while, simultaneously, Western hegemony plummets at a terminal velocity. The results of this would force us to grapple with the stark reality that good times create weak men. Indeed, the proudest and most resolute among us, namely law enforcement and military members, can be seen as a harbinger of civilizational decline. The police and armed forces dropout rate is hitting all-time highs, while the failure to enlist is bottoming out with historic lows. And at a population level, our prospects seem even bleaker still when you pan out and grasp the totality of our citizenries. Over 70% of Americans would be unwilling to enlist if there was a major war. Around 13% of Canadians meet the diagnostic criteria for mental illness. Half of North Americans are morbidly obese. We are losing hundreds of thousands of people a year to substance abuse. And only 23% of young Americans would even qualify for military service if they attempted to do so. In short, there is little will, and where there is a will, there is fleeting way. Conversely, we see many of our enemies, both real and imagined, rallying patriotically around their causes, fully demonstrating how powerful the ideas of a nation, a people, a mythology, a religion, and a set of common ideals are to many in the world. Whether it's young Ukrainian men defending the eastern border, Israelis preserving their homeland, or the Taiwanese fortifying their material and rhetorical stances, various unique peoples across the world would readily answer the call to fight on their brother's behalf. This is to say nothing of the legitimacy of these various causes. Rather, I aim to highlight the solidarity these movements inspire for their adherents, ones where they know precisely what they are fighting for, their families, their legacy, their people, and their future. Over here, though, we've hit a cultural malaise where postmodern deconstructionism has rid us of our ability to believe in anything at all. Multicultural fundamentalism has deprived us of a sense of a people, and we see imported ethnic grievances bubbling up in our cosmopolitan cities. Places where our historical religions are treated with disdain and mocked by mainstream intelligenista and where our only common bonds revolve around wielding an unsalvageably corrupt political order as a sadistic weapon and a corporatist economic model that funnels money and true value assets to the elite. And if armed hostilities break out, you and your loved ones will be called upon to defend this clown world. But defending clown world demands a clown army. This is where the ones who are perpetually screeching about their rights, and conversely, others' privilege, can really let their strengths shine through. We need to set up several all-volunteer armed forces divisions composed entirely of feminists, Palestinian supporters, trans activists, Palestinian separatists, laptop-class urban professionals, obese welfare recipients, indigenous chiefs, 
white female elementary teachers, Black Lives Matter crusaders, recent immigrants on social assistance, degreed intellectuals, the perpetually masked COVID fetishists, and anyone sporting a Ukrainian flag on their social media. All of these people seem to believe, wholeheartedly and often violently, that they are the centerpiece of modern liberal democracy. Ones who the entirety of our socio-political reality must gravitate around or else be hounded and cancelled for exclusionary practices. And their clown world is quickly becoming entrenched within the machinations of day-to-day life, where the expulsion of everything cisgendered white and male is allegedly paving the path towards a gender-inclusive, equity-based, and racially progressive society. One where anarcho-tyranny reigns while your children are indoctrinated into national self-loathing. One where you can be compelled to accept unproven medical interventions while they debase our currency into oblivion. And one where you are implicitly coerced to amuse yourself to death while our elite class rolls the dice on nuclear war. Addiction on your streets, antinatalism promoted in your media, socialist ideals in your curricula, and undemocratic mass immigration flooding your public infrastructure. But regardless of our devolution into a dystopian multicultural crimescape, our turn is over, guys. In the case of massive geopolitical conflict, we need to step aside and let the woke defend the country and rights they so adamantly proclaim. White cisgendered men did enough to defend this nation in two world wars, two Asiatic wars, and a handful of Middle Eastern adventures. It is now time for Lady Boss Battalions, Socialist Infantry, and Trans-Inclusive Squadrons to step up and defend their civilization on their own. We'll just hang back and keep things running on the home front, much like the oppressed women of the 1940s did. But don't worry, modern ladies. I'm sure you'll do just fine against Putin's months-long and deep winter counteroffensive on the Crimea. And if you have to go up against the CCP in Taiwan... It's no big deal because as fellow leftists, I'm sure you'll be able to hash things out over some rice noodles and a discussion about the ideals of Leninism. And if you get deployed to the Middle East to face off against Hamas, don't fret because I'm sure all those rape stories were really just racist propaganda. For the rest of us with serious misgivings about the trajectory of our society and how hyper-progressivism is eroding our civilization like sulfuric acid, you need to seriously ask yourself, is there anything even worth defending here any longer? If it came right down to it, would you enthusiastically sign up to fight for a Trudeau-Biden and Sunak-led war? If we did sacrifice our bodies, would we continue to be collectively spat upon by the elites and their minions after returning from battle? Would you wave your children off to war under the pride flag? And would you even be able to afford victory bonds if we were called upon to sacrifice some coin? We live in clown world, so let the clowns die for it.
Thank you for patronizing the Magenta Pills podcast. Stay tuned for your next prescription.